Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. And I'm Mel Rosenberg, host of the Children's Literature Channel for NBN, the New Books Network. And this week I have a special guest, PJ McElbain, who just informed me that she has a new book out, surprisingly, this week, a middle grade book. PJ, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for ha- having me. I'm very pleased me? to be here. I hear you. Do you hear me? Yes. So so tell us about this surprise. Most of us wait years for books to come out. And I've been What happened? I've been waiting years too, trust me. Well, I would say it was a very serendipitous serendipitous uh events. Basically, I pitched the book which is a uh middle grade supernatural historical mystery. And I pitched it at a pitch party on Twitter in October. Nothing happened. I figured, okay, I did my best. And then about a month or so later, I got a letter from the publisher who was interested saying, please send me the first opening pages and the synopsis, which is pretty regular. And I did. And again, I thought no more about it. I was busy with other things in writing. And then a month after that, December, he said, please send me the entire book. So I did. Christmas came along, didn't think any more of it. And then New Year's Day, I got the letter, can we set up a Zoom meeting? And we went from a Zoom meeting shortly after that to now we are in pre-order for the book. So it went very fast, you know, roughly about a month to two months it took. So a digital copy of the book it's yes, it's only available on, sale. It's on pre-order right now on Amazon Kindle. And then after three months per my contract, then it will be available in all formats, digital and hardcover. But right now for the pre-launch, it's only Kindle Amazon. Wow, that's incredible. And I should mention that this PB Pitch Twitter party is something that you are the instigator, the mother, the, um, the babysitter, and the... Uh, the person behind it together with my friend, Deborah Schumacher. 
Yes, yes, we've been doing it. But I do want to <coughs> clarify, the book I pitched was not at PP Pitch because it's a middle grade. So it was at another pitch party. But yes, the PB Pitch is strictly for cre uh, picture book creators with Deborah, my very good friend. And we've had great success with it. We've made quite a few deals. Agent magic matches and publisher books. Yep. So we're very pleased with that. So that's wonderful. So first of all, congratulations, or as we say, uh, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov. Merci. On, uh, ah, pas de rien. Uh, on, uh, on such a rapid turnaround. I, I've never heard of a book being published so quickly. And it's not just being published. I mean, the quality, the care they put into it, editorial, I, I, the cover. I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited. It's okay. really top notch. Mention the name again, please, of the book. The book is Violet York, Gilded Girl, Ghosts in the Closet, and the publisher is Dark Stroke Books. They do have a website, darkstroke.com. Okay, we'll check it out. So I didn't know about this dark side of you. There is a dark um, side to I, me. There is. Yes. So we'll go there in a minute. Castles in France and, the, and the, you know, being the... Um, a related to a baron in France, uh, but let let's start with the um, with your dream of uh, of being a children's writer. Where was that born? Oh, I. Where won. were you born? I was born in New York, in Elmhurst, uh, New York, Long Island, and I've pretty much been here all my life, living on Long Island in New York. Uh, my parents emigrated from France in 1956. Actually, I was born about a month or two after they emigrated. They wow. almost didn't let my mother on the boat. She was so big. Yeah, she was so heavily pregnant that they stopped at the gangplank. And my mother said, we have to go. Everything is on board the, your boat, all our belongings. <laughs> so what they ended up doing was they put her in a stateroom and they waited on her hand and foot. So she was able to walk onto the boat when she boarded. They had to roll her off because she gained so much weight from all the food. <laughs> so I mean, your parents are from France. Where in France? Uh, well, this is where it gets a little murky. I have to do a little bit more genealogical research. But I believe it was in the, the middle of France, Avignon, that area. Ah, it's a beautiful place. Have you been there? I've only been to Paris once. But I, I would like to go back and research more my family history. Yes, Avignon is something special. Um, so um, you, you you grew up speaking French at home? We had to. Is that uh, your my mother tongue? It, well, basically, my mother, my parents eventually got divorced, and we were raised by my grandparents, who also emigrated. And they only spoke French at the beginning. So, of course, me and my brother, in order to figure out what they were talking about, we had to learn French. <laughs> so we learned French and English. Uh -huh. And uh, what were you like as a, uh, as a young child? Uh, an avid reader, a voracious reader, very shy, very quiet, and prone to illness. I was, I was sick as a child. So that meant a lot of time at home, watching television and reading books. And when were you bitten by this uh, bug? The writer's bug. I can remember being five or six with my brother, and we would make little newsletters for the neighborhood. I would write the story, and my brother would, would do the artwork. 
Wow. Was this a business? And then we would or... hand it out all over the neighborhood. Did just for just... fun. That's incredible. Just as a young child. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and it continued a... from there, writing stories, poems, and it just grew from there. And you've published in the New York Times, correct me? I did. I had an uh, I had an op-ed editorial published in the New York Times. Uh, I've had various uh, pieces in various uh, publications. And then really, my first big success was when I had a, uh, a screenplay produced. Yes. That was a Showtime original family film with Mimi Rogers and Karen Allen. Yes. How did that happen? Very oddly, because the odds of a lady in New York connecting with a producer in California my family laughed at me. They said, Pat, just stick with your books. Don't even bother with the screenplay. But it, again, it was a, a circle of events. I hooked up with the manager who basically her idea of promoting was just faxing log lines all over Hollywood. And as it turned out, one of them landed on the desk of Mimi Rogers, who at the time had a production company and she loved it, and boom, that was it. And it, that took about two years from it actually, two or three years from it being optioned and then being produced and shown on Showtime in 2001. So that was my first big success, yes. And that was your, your success as a scriptwriter? As a screenwriter, totally out of the blue. You know, I just fell into it. Some stories need to be told as a novel, and other stories have a different format. And for whatever reason, this story spoke to me as a script. So it was a very tedious process because in screenwriting, it's a very specific format. So I had to learn that. But I'm a Capricorn, I'm tenacious, I didn't give up. And so uh, how did you make a living in between these? In between these? Because you, you, you weren't paid for your newsletter. No, no, basically I fell into customer service. <laughs> which meant I could be on the phone helping people. Uh, so for a long time, I worked for Newsday, which is one of the biggest newspapers on Long Island. And I worked there for many years. And then uh, after that, I did more customer service work at home. And then my mother fell ill and I had to take care of her. So that pretty much ended any work related outside the home. And then I fell more into my, then writing became more of my job than just a sideline after work. So that's pretty much my life now, writing and taking care of my grandchildren, the family, the dog, the usual things. Yeah, but you're making a living as a writer? Uh, no. Well, basically, <laughs> no. Uh, basically, now I'm at the age where, you know, I, I, can, I have a supplementary income. So I'm able to, at my age, I'm able to stay home and, and do what I want. Okay. And uh, let's now talk about uh, the, uh, the books for young children. Uh, well, I, I more or less fell into that. I've always had my dream of being a children's author, but it was really when my grandchildren came along and my mother fell ill and I had to be home for them. And I read to them constantly. And I said to myself, I can do this. If I can write a screenplay, I can do this. And that's where it started from there. Yeah, a Hollywood screenplay. My goodness, I'm speaking with royalty. Yeah. Um, so, but how how arduous was the journey as a children's writer? Well, as a children's writer, uh, I did get an agent rather quickly, 
we had a couple of close calls, but no cigars on a couple of books. Then uh, again, left that age. And then it seems to be pretty common in the in this business when it's literature. You know, maybe one agent will work for a little while and then you part and you find another one. So basically all the sales I've done with the children book have been on my own. So I've had one picture book published in 2019. I had another one published in 2021. And now I'm under contract for four more in 2023 and 2024. Okay, so let's four books, you know. It's incredible. And all on my own. That's even more incredible. So Little Lena and the Big Table. Yes. That, that's a very lovely book. Little Lena and the Big Table is basically based on my childhood when my brother and I would sit at the little the kids' table. And my brother was terrible at the table. He would annoy me no end. Sometimes I couldn't even eat my dinner. He was so bad. So that's the inspiration for that book. The, the publisher... Tell me a little bit about that publisher, Big Belly. Well, Big Belly Books, again, it was very quick. I sent her the story. She loved it. Editorially, we went just went back and forth. And then, again, it, it was, I think she, it only took maybe eight or nine months for that one to be published in digital and hardcover. Very nice illustrations. Oh, the illustrations are wonderful. She did, she did a great job. Do you want to mention the name of the illustrator? Of you caught me off guard. I I I, ah, I forgot. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. We'll 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 add it later. Yeah. Um, but and, she uh, did she did a wonderful job and she's very prolific. Uh, I mean I, I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better illustrator. Yes, and uh, but the publisher is a little weird. Most of the most of the books are written by one lady. Uh, she does have a couple of books with other with other authors, but yes. So you are even luckier that you're one of the. Uh, one of the foreigners that got into her, uh, into her uh, radar. Yes, that's e yes. That's, that's even more incredible. It's a lovely book. And, well, and... no, ahead. I mean, it, it, again, it was just basically, it was something I fell into. I saw that she had done some books by some other people that I knew. So I said, okay, let's try. And um, the, uh, you know, I love the ending where uh, she gets promoted to the table of the adults and then it's so boring there that she uh and, and her uncle her spitting uncle did you really have a spitting uncle <laughs> no that was my i combined everything into one ah, okay. I, I did have an <laughs> uncle but yeah no i pretty ah. much combined everything of my brother into other characters ah. and then, then at the end she says oh you know what i'll hang out with the kids another year it's more fun exactly once 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 she got to the uh big once she got to the big uh, table then she realized it wasn't any fun yeah, that's a lovely book. And then more recently, you have another story. PJ, everything about your career is a story. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing regular when I'm reading your bio. I say, oh, there's some, <laughs> no. there, there's, there's some route here. There's some, you know, there's some path. She's taken some highway. You keep going off one way or another. Um, I don't know whether that's because you're a Capricorn, but it's really marvelous. So you have a book that came out. And uh, it's a great book uh, called Dragon Roar. Dragon Roar. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's a book about a dragon who gets a frog stuck in his throat. Yep. And um, it actually turns out, it turns out to be literally a frog stuck in his throat. Yep. Uh, and um, it was published by a, a, a publisher that, that went belly up after it published your book. 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it's a beautiful book. I, I am so proud. It is of lovely. Book. I, I love it. I love this book. I, I love this book because I also have a dragon book. So I'm, you know, I fall in love with dragon books immediately. And uh, it's a great story about this dragon. And, you know, when and it says, um, you know, he, he woke up one morning and he had a frog stuck in his throat. So the parents understand that it's a metaphor. Yes. Uh, it turns out at the end that it's an actual frog. Yeah. Yep. What I what I want to and, ask and you, when you see the illustrations, I mean, the 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 illustrator on that was Logan Rogers, and he did a wonderful job. And at the end, I mean, it, it's a good. But I waited four years for that book to talk about persistence. Four years. But let me digress just for a moment. The illustrator on Little Lena and Big Table was Leela Nabi. I didn't want I I didn't want to mispronounce her name, Leela Nabi. Again, a wonderful woman. She yeah, did a great, great job. Great. Great, great illustrations. I love them. Yep. Uh, but and, with, um, with, so but with Dragon War, a different genre of book, different illustrations altogether. But again, wonderful. So the book is published. And then two, three weeks later, she announces, the publisher announces, we're closing by the end of the year, December 2021. So that was a real kick in the gut. You know? But pe people can still buy your wonderful book. No, no, no. From what I understand, no. She basically that publisher changed her model, and no. So I have a couple of copies of that book, and but I don't think it's available anymore. Do you want to show a few pictures from the books? Uh, you have I, them here? No, I don't. They're in my other office. No, I don't have them. But I, I yeah, I'll They're send you nice. some. I will send okay. you some of the photos. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> So that's an experience. You never know what can happen. And I wasn't, and I was, you know, there were other authors from that publisher in the same boat as me. So it just goes to show the vagaries of, of publishing, you know, how quickly it can turn Absolutely. around. So, but I, I wanted to ask you, PJ, I have to ask you one question. The, the, uh, who calls you Pat and who calls you PJ? PJ, my family calls me PJ since I was a child, who PJ. You, who calls you Pat? My brother did. My late brother, he called me Pat. Okay, what do you prefer to be called? PJ. PJ, yeah. Yep. Okay, so um, there's a whole library named after you called PJ Library. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, so I, I love this story with the, with the dragon, uh, but I have one question that's been bothering me. Sure. Like When you say, you know, the, the dragon uh, had, a, had a frog stuck in his throat, so, you know, all the adults know that this is a, um, a um, simile or a metaphor or whatever. Uh, but when the kids read it, when you read it to the kids, do they understand that it's not to be taken literally at the beginning of the book, but rather at the end of the book? Uh, they understand. My, my, my grandchildren are all under 10 years of age. So they understand to a, to a point. But then when the frog comes out, it's like, ah! <laughs> It was the, a frog. Oh <laughs> it's a very optimistic book about this girl from the village that helps the dragon, um, even though he hasn't been a very good dragon to the no, village. No, he has not. He's terrorized the dra He's terrorized the village and everybody in it. So, is that you, the young woman in this uh, story? I would be yes. I would be the one trying to help the dragon. I have a fondness for lost causes, so yes, that would that would be me. So, so now let's talk about your your um, 
your kindness to other writers. Uh, in this industry, you are considered one of the kindest people. Uh, uh, oh, thank you. you thank spend, you. You spend a lot of time helping authors. Uh, you co-organize the PB Pitch. Um, and, uh, you know, a PB Pitch, it has its, um, its fans and the detractors who say, uh, you know, there's thousands of, uh, of mm. people pitching and querying. And, you know, in the, last, in the last one we had this past, uh, we had over 5,000 pitches over the course of the event. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot. There yes, are exa- a lot of people ex- out there. Exa- exactly. So, yeah. So um, there are over 5,000 pitches, okay? And um, sometimes the agents will stop by and, and give a heart uh, to a pitch. And then sometimes that leads to, a, uh, to an agent deal. Mm-hmm. But but basically, the detractors the, the don't realize that these are the odds in the industry. Yes. That um, agents see thousands of pitches and manuscripts a year. I think even more since the pandemic, quite honestly. And they end up taking maybe two or three new clients a year. Yeah. In in picture books. So, but so, uh, at yeah. least with the pitch party... With the agents that stop by, yes, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack, but it only takes one yes, and you could be that needle. Exactly. You so could the- be the one they find. So, you know, again, it's it's an odds. But we and always say thing, uh, yeah. pitch parties are one way to attract an agent. You still have to query, still network. I mean, it's not one way. But you have to try every way to get attention. Okay, so um, I, okay, what I like most about the uh, pitch party is that it forces you to pitch a story in just a very few words. And every time I enter that, um, my writing gets better, my pitches get better, and um, it, it's possible that. Not even a single agent, you know, saw the uh, pitch because there's thousands of pitches. But um, if you take it seriously, you end up improving. But PJ, let's let's talk about the odds again, right? So um, I interview on this show the uh, the fish that have succeeded, um, and and it's one in a thousand. So do you think that authors realize that these are the odds? Because these are the odds. I think many realize that, but they think they will be the exception. They always think, and you have to have that kind of mindset. Because if I sat down and said to myself, well, PJ, you're a, you're a married woman in New York, and you're trying to pitch this screenplay, why bother? When there were other writers in California who are closer, who can take the meetings, why bother? But you have to have the mindset, okay, you will get rejected. That's part of the game. But if you don't put your work out there, you don't have any chance at all. So that's what you need to do. You need to get over that reservation, that lack of self-confidence, and just say, you know what? You can do it. Because you can. What's the worst thing that can happen is they say no. And then you try again. Okay, but there's many writers, and I was among them for many years, 
until I attended an STBWI conference in New York, mm. where I understood that I wasn't as good a writer as I thought I was. That happens to even now, trust me, I still have imposter syndrome. I still don't think I'm a very good writer. So I think every writer goes through that. You realize, you know what, maybe I'm, but you need to, but if you're dedicated to it, it's like anything. The more you do it, the better you get at it. I, I really believe that. And over the course of time, if you're persistent and disciplined, you will become a better writer. You may not get published but you will become a better writer. So there's lots of people that improve and improve and improve. And at the end of the day, well, unfortunately, not everybody at the Olympics gets a gold medal. Uh, not everybody's going to be in the top 10%. It, it, but even so, you still can find your niche and be happy with that. So those are very, very kind and, and wise words. Uh, can you tell us a few uh, things about the books that are coming out next year? Are they secret? Can you give us some idea? I, I can give you a general idea. Uh, three of the books are going to be part of a monster critter creature series. Basically, all about monsters. So a critter feature creature feature series. That's pretty much it. So the three, other three one, books. Yep, those three books. The other one is a standalone about a, a thief. So that's pretty much what I get. But all picture books. A thief? A thief, a thief in the house. That sounds that sounds incredible. So we're not going to ask you too many more uh, questions about that. Yeah, I don't even have titles for them yet. They're still to be determined. Okay, so you have book deals with with books that you haven't written yet? No, they're all written. Ah, they don't have titles. They're all written. They have titles, but the publisher reserves the right to change the title. Yeah. So that's why I don't mention the title. Ah, okay, that's yeah. fine. That's and you did this by yourself without an agent? Yes. Do you recommend Basically, that? Well, ideally, I'm still in the query trenches. I'm still trying to get an agent for my material. But I'm so prolific in picture books that at this point, I want to build my portfolio. I want to build my resume in that area. So I query. And if I feel the publisher is a good fit, they have a good track record, at that point, I'm inclined to do it. That's wonderful. So you 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 send manuscripts directly to publishers. Yes, I query depending on what the publisher wants. I may query first, and then if they reply, let me see more, then I'll send it. Sometimes they say, uh, you know, paste the manuscript in the email itself. So it really depends on the publisher. Sometimes and there are still publishers out there who want everything by snail. By snail, they still want it by regular mail. So you just have to go with the flow. I, I, I wonder who those are, but 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 PJ, this is incredible because we learn that you should get an agent, you should do everything by agents, and and your success has come by perseverance, uh, by improving your craft constantly, and by pitching directly to the publishers, which. Um, is not the common way to do it. Well, if you can't get in the front door, I say get in the back door or the window. So I'm not going to let that impede me. Would I love an agent? Of course I would. Uh, to get into the traditional houses, the bigger houses, yes, you need an agent. But at this point, as I said, I'm so prolific, I really just hate seeing these picture books just stay on my computer. So let's get them out there. 
fantastic. Well, you're so bubbly. It's it's so wonderful to meet you. Um, what advice do you have uh, for people who are getting into the picture book writing? I would say business, but it's it's not a business. It's an anti-business, isn't it? I would say, first of all, don't do it. Don't do it if you think you're going to make a quick buck, because you won't. Read picture books, even if you don't read outside of your craft, middle grade, young adult, picture book, read good books, read bad books. That's how I learned screenplays. I would, I would copy, I would read screenplays on the computer, good ones, bad ones. And that's how I developed my craft in that. So it's the same thing in any discipline. You read the good and the bad and write every day. It's a discipline. Even if it's only five minutes, even if it's only to write down an idea, a sentence, a paragraph, uh, you have to make that time for you. And of course, you have to have passion. It's not just enough to say, I want to be a writer. You have to have the passion and you also have to have the talent. And I think you can cultivate the talent in accord with the passion, but you do have to have that, that spark. Without that spark, I don't think you will go very far. And it'll okay. reflect in your writing as well. You have the passion. You're ready to work every day. Got to work every day, dedication, discipline, and okay. patience. I, I agree with everything. And I want to now raise the stakes. Because, ah. because, I, no, because I get a lot of manuscripts from writers. Uh, I'm oh, I do better, too. I'm a better, much better critic than I am a writer. It's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very easy. It's very point, easy to point out the foibles in somebody else's writing. <laughs> uh, but what I find is a, there's a lot of writers who don't realize, and this was my case for almost all my life, who didn't realize how much improving they still had to do. A compliment somebody gives me, I always want to be better. And I always yep. want to learn more and go to conferences. But there's many writers that, that think that they're good enough when they aren't. So basically, well, again, this is where you, you get your work out there and you they, have they to. They think, it, it, this they think you're the next Stephen King. Most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, again, that's what the marketplace will decide. I mean, if uh, I mean, at some point, if you're doing this for 30, 40, 50 years and you're still getting rejected uh, and passed over, then I would probably say maybe it's time to take a different approach, take a different tack. Mm. But, yeah, <clears throat> you, you have to be your own worst critic. There are some things I write that, you that are terrible that will never see the light of day. But at least I have the awareness to know that. This is something that takes a long time to develop. It takes a long time to develop, to develop of course. So, so I want to summarize your tips. Um, passion, read a lot, write a lot, and uh, never give up unless Patience 30 years have gone by. Yep. Yep. After, 30, after 30 years of rejection, PJ says, call it a day. <laughs> so listen. At that, that point, maybe, maybe think about another career. <laughs> exactly. Um, in, in your late 80s. Um, so, uh, PJ, I just uh, I just want to say thank you for your time uh, and for your wonderful writing and, and your spirit and and the way you um, you cultivate 
writers. Uh, I've been wanting to thank you for that. Oh, uh, thank behalf, you so much. And uh, on behalf of so many other authors uh, on the way, uh, on the way to, to success. The, the 30 year war. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you very much. This has been uh, PJ McIlvain uh, and I'm Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Network channel, excuse me, on the New Books Network. So uh, PJ, hope to meet you soon. Oh, uh, I hope so too. almost over, I hope. And uh, keep on writing and then and, uh, and good luck with your future republications. Uh, and may uh, each book that you write now be with a publisher who will never, ever go bankrupt. Thank you. And I'm happy to interact with everybody. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at PJ McIlvain. I'm always happy to answer questions, uh, help out. If you need a pitch read, I'm always happy to help. So please reach out. I'm always happy. Always delighted sir. to hear from writers. You're a kind soul if ever there was one. Uh, PJ, Pat, this has been awesome. Uh, merci beaucoup. Merci. And, and uh, au revoir à tout à l'heure. Au revoir. And, uh, thank you so much for being on the uh, interview show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.